Well, welcome to the Other Facts of Life podcast. This is going to be my inaugural episode and I'm super excited to share my experiences, my wisdom or lack thereof, my interests, my likes and dislikes, all that groovy stuff for you guys on this podcast and hopefully you learn a little bit along the way, laugh a little bit, cry a little bit maybe and get to share in some of the fun. So let's get started. In this first episode, I want to do a little bit of an introduction, but not really. I kind of want to jump into what I have going on this week and why I wanted to share it with you all. First, I am an attorney located in the Midwest. I am 31. Close your ears to that if you are 25 and under. Um, But I'm an attorney located in the Midwest. And I hope with this podcast, I'm able to educate people more on things such as student loan debt, reorganizing your finances, traveling for the cheap, doing things that are fun for the cheap. I mean, a lot of things that you're going to hear from me is making things cheaper because that is a big thing. Even my daughter constantly tells me, Oh, well, can't we just go to the regular section? Why do you go straight for clearance? So you can just consider this podcast to be like the clearance rack of podcasts because I'm always going to tell and advocate for you to do things less than full price. So whether that is, you know, reorganizing your debt or fashion or traveling on the cheap or dating on the cheap um you're gonna get all of that here right on the other facts of life and i'm really excited to bring this topic to you all and what i'm gonna be talking about is student loans and um this is a big big area of my life and i know since the student loan debt has now reached 1.4 trillion dollars it's a big part of probably your life and I just want to be able to share my experience with the whole student loan process and default process restructuring process with you all and I hope you can take at least one thing from this podcast episode and apply it to your life or help somebody else that you know and care about with their struggle so as I sit here in my office preparing for like one of the biggest trials of my life, um, I'm really introspective and nervous and anxious. And I decided to share in a podcast these feelings and hopefully they'll be able to help or kind of guide you through this process and um, kind of be um, just a light and a very deep and dark process that is bankruptcy student loan litigation. So let's get into it. Basically, I had filed Chapter 7 uh, last year after doing literally years of research about um, student loans and restructuring my student loans, discharging my student loans, getting them decreased, consolidated, all of that. I had 
spent years of research and watching the case law on what I could possibly do because I did three years of undergrad. I did fall, spring, and summer. So I never took a break. I never had a summer off. And um, I took a year, not even, I won't even say a year off of after I did three years of undergrad and then I went back to law school in 2009 and I did law school and I got my master's all in three years. So, as you can imagine, I didn't have a full ride. I I mean, I'm an okay student um, and I was an okay student, but they didn't give me a full ride. They gave me scholarships, but you know, I think when you're, I went into college when I was 17 years old and I had just turned 18, I think the first month, full month of college. So I didn't know anything about contracts. I didn't know anything about debt. I didn't ha- I didn't even have any credit cards. Uh, I had a bank account, but I didn't have any kind of credit um, and didn't know how anything worked. So somebody puts these things in front of me, you know, hey, this is your financial aid package. But it's really not a financial aid package. It's more like, hey, um, so here, sign on this line so you can have this debt for the rest of your life. Okay, bye. So um, they don't really explain that to you and they don't really differentiate. I can recall, like I have a photographic memory, so I can recall very clearly what the letter looked like and I know you know, they didn't ever explain any of that to me. They didn't ever explain what's the interest rate. They just put the numbers on the page, the total amount of what I got as quote unquote aid. And then they put in a second column, the loans, I believe. So they don't really tell you, and then they don't really outright tell you what the tuition is. Granted, I never asked. I just was like, okay, this is the school I want to go to and um, I'm just going to make it happen. So they don't tell you, okay, this is the amount of tuition. This is the amount what's going to cost you for your room and board. It's going to cost you A, B, and C just to you know, eat every day. And they don't really explain any of that to you when you're sitting down signing these papers. So I, you know, I was really ignorant of the whole process. And unfortunately, you know, six, seven years later, I am in six-figure debt um, because of my student loans. And just like then, I don't even have credit cards. I don't, you know, I don't keep lines of credit. Everything I do, I pay in cash. So um, that's the biggest hurdle I face. So, you know, after years of researching about how I can, you know, get some type of relief, I decided you know, that I would take the hit on myself and, you know, try for a bankruptcy discharge. Now, you will hear so many experienced lawyers telling you, oh my goodness, you cannot discharge your student loans. What are you thinking? Are you crazy? You know, that's not going to happen. I don't know why you're even asking. And, you know, uh, no, you just can't do it. That is generally the first response even seasoned bankruptcy lawyers and you know what and generally that is the case uh, with
student loan discharges and bankruptcy, you know, most times you're not going to be able to discharge them. Um, they're based on where you live in the country and where you file for your bankruptcy. There's different types of tests the court uses in order to say who qualifies for your student loans to be discharged completely or a partial discharge or modified in some type of way um, or not. So where I live, I live in the Midwest. I live in the Eighth Circuit. <clears throat> And um, they have a test. It's called totality of the circumstances. And that's basically, you know, what it is, is the name is they look at the whole picture of the debtor and determine whether based on the whole picture, the total um, facts of the circumstances that the debtor is involved with, will they be able to pay these loans back within, you know, the scheduled repayment period. So that's what they typically look at and in the eighth circuit i'm not sure if that's the same case i know the sixth circuit like michigan they do the bruner test of course east coast they do the bruner test um cali they do a different test like you just have to make sure you kind of do your research in advance and always ask your attorney um what test did they use that's one of the first questions you could ask when you go in and meet with a lawyer if you're thinking about it but like i said uh in the eighth circuit we do totality of the circumstances and there's been a lot of favorable case law for people who um wouldn't be you know the ideal person to discharge their debts like usually the lawyers will tell you you have to be like completely incapacitated handicapped near your deathbed in order to get any type of student loan discharge and generally if you look at the case law yeah that's pretty much what's happened like you have to be some type of disabled or just really you know really poor in order to get a discharge but in the eighth circuit they're starting to trend where you know if you're even in your 30s and you're not that far removed from school and not that far removed from taking your debt and still if you're like chronically underemployed or chronically unemployed if you have familiar op familial obligations that you have to tend to that restrict you from taking on full-time work or taking on the work that you went to school for they're becoming a lot more flexible uh, with that so I really just kind of dived into it because you know I do have familial obligations that have kind of hindered me from taking a full-time job you know medical issues with family members and just being underemployed that's been a big thing for me since I've graduated law school mind you I didn't pass the bar exam the first time I took it so that was another six or seven eight months where I couldn't take an attorney listed job um, so that was a major setback for me but don't be discouraged by you know their initial meeting with you where they tell you absolutely not you can't do it you need to do the research on your own and figure it out on your own whether you're an eligible candidate or not because a lot of these seasoned lawyers they don't take the time to read the new case law and um, it's always changing so it's really important for you to sit down and do some research dig up some stuff and see maybe you would be an ideal candidate so i'm really excited to share this experience with you guys and stay tuned i'll let you know how the trial process goes and i'll follow up once it's over
Thanks for listening, guys.